Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar podcast, brought to you from the team behind Cycling Plus, MBUK and BikeRadar.com. Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar podcast. This is our Mountain Bike of the Year special, so we're going to talk about Trail Bike of the Year and Enduro Bike of the Year. I'm Tom Marvin, one of the technical editors at Bike Radar and MBUK, and joining me on the phone is uh, Rob Weaver, who is our Senior Technical Editor-in-Chief, and Luke Marshall from MBUK, who also helped us a great deal with the test. Hello. Hello. Um, so you might have noticed that um, things have gone a bit haywire in the world, um, and we are doing this over the magic of the internet. So apologies if our sound quality isn't quite the high standards you might expect. But we aim to keep doing these podcasts every week, or maybe even more than that, uh, over the coming months. So you've got something to listen to. Right, should we crack on? Let's do it. Let's do it. Right, Rob, what is the point of Bike of the Year um, and what is Trail Bike of the Year and Enduro Bike of the Year? What are we doing? Good question. So uh, the big goal for us is to get out there and try and test the latest and greatest bikes of what we think or, you know, for our readers, especially on MBUK and Bike Radar, the most relevant bikes, you know, the ones that we're seeing most of out on the trails, which are normally trail bikes or enduro bikes. And we're trying to cover as many as the most of the most popular bikes as we can uh, in order to inform buying decisions in the best possible way with an in-depth review. Um, we try and get a few opinions involved as well. So it isn't necessarily just from one person. Um, and yeah, we, we do a ton of back-to-back testing so we can be as accurate as possible 
So this year we had um, 10 trail bikes and 10 enduro bikes. And across those 20 bikes in total, we kept it to one bike from each brand um, where possible. Um, when we came to decide the bikes that were going into the test, what was your what was the process behind that? Um, I think it's largely looking at maybe what the brands interpret the intention of that bike. So making sure that, you know, we're not testing something that even though it might have, I don't know, a decent amount of travel, that brand isn't saying, oh no, actually this is just a, a trail bike. Please don't go and, you know, race an Enduro on it, for example. So taking into account their take on it, um, also trying to look at not just sort of popular brands, but bikes that we think might be interesting or exciting and that need to be included. So, you know, some of the smaller ones, you know, in the Enduro test, we had, um, we had a bike from Starling. So the small British brand based in Bristol. And we also had a bike from Kotick again, another British brand, not, you know, wide, you know, necessarily widely known outside of the UK. Um, and yeah, making sure that we're looking for, I guess, for the most part for Enduro, it's a bit more travel than you might have on a regular trail bike. So maybe not the most efficient when it comes to pedaling up hills, but more than capable of, you know, thumping down a hill at a fair old pace. Cool. And so how did we split that test up then? So what, how, was there a way of defining? We, we kind of did it kind of on travel, rear wheel travel, um, and a little bit on price as well. Yeah. So we sort of split down the middle in a sense that we went, um, I think my test, so the Enduro bikes, range from 146 mil at the back all the way up to 170. Um, and we also did pricing as well. And um, a bit of a sticking point for me was that I was desperate to include the new Specialized Enduro, mm. um, just because every time we've done this test, we've always had an Enduro in there. You know, it's, it's one of the originals when it comes to that it type of bike. Defines, you know, it defines yeah. what an Enduro bike is almost, right? Exactly. It's been around for, what, 20 years now? Maybe mm. 21? So they overhauled that bike um, for this year uh, and I really wanted to get that in. Uh, the only issue we've got when we were looking at pricing is generally we try to keep it more realistic, slightly cheaper, um, but the cheapest Enduro that exists is £4,500. So for me, it meant that I had to um, push my price bracket up a little bit. So in the end, I had bikes going from 3,700 all the way up to 4,500. And I think okay. yours was a little bit lower, wasn't it? A little bit more realistic. Yeah. So my trail bikes, you know, we're looking for, you know, real all-rounders that are happy doing long days in the hills as much as they are, you know, hitting, you know, some of the bike park stuff as well, but they've definitely got a trail focus. Uh, so my bikes um, were all 3,000 to 3,500 plus a tiny little bit for shipping here and there um, just to make sure we got, you know, the interesting bikes in. Um, and for the most part, they were 120 to 140, um, although there was uh, one which had a little bit more rear-wheel travel um, for various reasons. Um, but yeah, so that's sort of vaguely how we split it down. Uh, Luke, your involvement was sort of fairly unique in some ways because you know my, I basically just rode the trail bikes Rob pretty much just rode the enduro bikes but you got to go on both of them yeah so uh I was there to help you guys with the testing I mean the majority of it was always done by yourselves um any sticking points or you know things that uh didn't quite make sense or wanted a second opinion on then 
I was able to jump in and and yeah and ride say a few of your trail bikes and uh, a few more of Robin's enduro bikes as well. So I uh, I was I guess the lucky one and got to probably ride the uh, the full breadth of the uh, the category from the shortest travel ones up to the longest travel ones and uh, and got to see how each of those played out where their strengths and weaknesses were and hopefully give you guys a bit of feedback to uh, yeah make a few of my own points that might not have agreed fully with everyone's but hopefully raise a few talking points and then could confirm other things that you were thinking about as well. Do you think there was, it was quite noticeable, the difference between the two genres of bikes? Or is it kind of that, you know, all bikes are pretty good at everything? No, nah, it is. There's a, there's a significant difference, I think, between a dedicated trail bike and a dedicated enduro bike. Um, going up and down there, I'm sure most enduro bikes will get you to the top of the hill, but they're, they're not going to do it like a trail bike can, and vice versa. They, they don't go down the, the same as an enduro bike will. So... Yeah, there's there's definitely uh, different parts to uh, of the riding where they shine, and, and as it should be, you know, they're, they're not. It's not all, all bikes these days. They aren't just like a jack of all trades anymore. You know, they are dedicated trail bikes and dedicated enduro bikes these days. What well, what was the most sort of challenging bit of the testing then, Robin Luke? Um, from my point of view, I think. Well, I'm sure you'd sort of echo this, but. This year, the weather has been atrocious. Mm. So getting out and making sure you can do meaningful, you know, back-to-back testing when you're basically on some days riding down a stream got pretty tough. Um, And obviously then as well, you know, we're trying to get through a lot of bikes each week. So there's the fatigue that comes into it. You know, a test this size, you're trying to do as many variations in the back-to-back pairings as you can in order to cross-reference everything. And so if you're doing, you know, two, three days on the bounce, this sort of potentially with the fatigue quality can drop off as, you know, in terms of what you're able to do on the bike. Mm. Um, so th- I guess, you know, from a very general point of view, that was, that was pretty tricky. Um, but I think other than that this year, in terms of the quality of bikes, they're higher than ever. I th- I don't think there was a single bad bike in the test, to be fair. Um, and that did make it really tough, you know, even just narrowing it down to the five, you know, top five almost became mm-hmm. really, really hard. Um, I think we've moved on so much. I think the first year I did this was 2017. And even then, um, I think some of the bikes didn't even have dropper posts. Really? Yeah. And a chunk of them would have had, um, you know, much cheaper tires with harder compounds and maybe all of them would have come with tubes, I think. And they, and I, all of them would have come with a really light casing as well. And I just feel like the whole industry sort of realized that, you know, when people buy a bike, they want to buy the complete, you know the the real deal the complete package that they can you know wheel out the shop or pull out the box build up and go straight to a race and race Mm -hmm. not have to spend you know another 20 30 quid on sealant and valves you know and then another 100 quid on tires to get around all those problems so it feels you know that the quality of bikes is is better than ever and that you know picking through that sort of minute detail is really hard does get 
quite taxing and you know you do end up second guessing and questioning yourself a lot which is why it's been so useful being able to bring in luke you know he's such a such a good rider such a high standard and because i think you know him and i have ridden together for god probably 20 years 25 years maybe maybe even closer to 30 years i know how he rides so i you know i know what his preferences are and so getting feedback from him is super useful for me Mm-hmm. And we were saying that, that you know, there are all the bikes, it's, it's the same in the trail bikes. There are very few bikes really that were poor. And those that were poor, it was, it was quite often down to maybe the tyres, like the wrong compound of tyre or the, or the wrong, you know, maybe the tread pattern that just didn't work for me or for what we were trying to test on, or maybe like a stem here and there. But generally speaking, the bikes are all pretty good. But certainly I found in the past, in the past couple of years at least, there's always been like a standout bike from the start. Mm. was there any this year that you know really jumped out um i mean there was two and and they went and and this is why it it really did go down to the wire for me it was the the specialized enduro comp and the white g170c rs 29 um those two it was a case of every time i threw a leg over either one of them you just felt really sort of, you know, self-assured, confident. You could ride anything. Didn't matter what the weather was doing, what trail you were riding. You just felt like you could just muscle your way through, and you know you're invincible. It was that sort of that sort of feel to it, um, and that's why you know, like I said, it, it properly went down to the wire for me on those. Mm-hmm. How about you? Um, yeah, there was there was a couple of bikes that definitely stood out sort of from the early on. Um, you know the the eventual winner. You know the propane, which which did win the test. Um, I don't know if I should, really, yeah, you know it won the test. Um, and the Jesse, which came second, were both super capable bikes in their own kind of ways. They're they're quite similar but different, if you know what I mean. Um, what was really interesting though was the the, the bike that came third in my test was the Bird Aether Seven, which is um their new twenty seven five uh, trail bike, and. You know, I sort of rode it um, in the UK during the testing, you know, during the back-to-back where, you know, we're taking the bikes to, you know, a couple of different places and riding the same bikes on, well, the different bikes on the same tracks, you know, one run after the other to try and inform our opinions as almost scientifically as possible. But it was definitely when we took the bikes out to Spain, we took the top six bikes um, to Spain for our photo shoot for the magazine and for the video shoot. Um, and we did some riding there with these guys called Blacktown Trails and they showed us around and, because the terrain was different, you know, bigger mountains and, or, you know, dry loam, you know, we hadn't ridden on dry loam for six months by that point. Um, it was really then that the bird sort of started really shining. And for me, at least, um, kind of came out of its skin a little bit. And so it, it certainly jumped up a couple of places in that final bit of testing that we did out in Spain. Mm, I guess, yeah, I, in a similar sort of vein, the, um, the cube did that for me. You know, I think the first ride I did on it, it was really wet and I was riding, it was just all sort of steeper natural tracks. Um, and I think it was down to it. The tires aren't great on it. They're not bad. You know, it's got a, a magic Mary at the front in the soft compound, which is fine. Um, but it had a speed grip hands damp on the back and it just felt, you know, a little bit skittish, a little bit, not quite sure footed as I'd have liked. And, and, 
I kind of put it in the van thinking, you know, it's not bad. It's all right. And then I, it was the next outing I went to Bike Park Wales and I rode it and just riding down to the uplift, I was like, you know what? This is such a fun bike. So good. And then the more I, the more I rode it, the more I had fun. And every time I rode that bike, I just couldn't stop grinning. It was just such a fun bike to ride. It's maybe not the, you know, fastest out and out bike of the whole test. Um, but in terms of maneuverability and, you know, chucking it around on the jumps and stuff like that, it was, yeah, absolutely amazing. You just need to change the tyres. Was there any bikes, Luke, that you thought um, you either really agreed with or kind of disagreed with what we were sort of thinking? Or I think with the Enduro bikes, me and Robin probably would have swapped our top two around. Um, mm-hmm. I can I see his points of view. Like he's taken probably a far broader spectrum as to why the white kind of came out on top of a uh, trail bike of the year or enjoy bike of the year. Sorry. Um, and riding them, I probably focus more on just performance rather than the all round package of value for money and, you know, and different, different aspects like that. But I probably got on the specialized and, and I rode that one fastest. But I, that one, I would say hands down, I noticed that one was quicker. And I, I remember riding after the first run. I think I said to Robin, ah, oh, that was your fastest bike. There you go. And uh, and he's like, yeah, but the white's really good. It's got better tyres and it does this. And I was, like, I was like, yeah, but it just doesn't go quite as fast down the hill. And he's like, yeah, but that's not the whole picture. And I'm like, yeah, I, I understand. Um, so that's like, it, and then I say I have to broaden my perspective as to, as to why like one bike does better than the other one. And, and fair enough. Um, I, I guess we sort of, you know, in the review, and certainly with the trail bikes as well as enduro bikes, you've got to look at, you've got to look at it from a consumer's point of view, the value for money, that's, you know, that the support and all that sort of stuff is very important because ultimately people are going to be spending thousands of pounds on these things. And, you know, if they can shave a couple of seconds off, maybe that's a good thing. But if they've got a kit, which maybe isn't quite as <coughs> high spec or good value, maybe, you know, that, that kind of comes into the mix a little bit, I think. Well, yeah, I mean, on, on to Luke's point, I, I totally get where he's coming from. And purely riding downhill, the Specialized is probably faster if you're looking purely just downhill. It's but, basically a mini downhill bike. Right. And 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 that's great, but you still need to change the tyres on there. You're still flat those tyres. They're not very tough. Well, they're not as tough as they could be. Um, they don't come tubeless. And it's already seven hundred pounds more expensive than the white. Um, <laughs> and I think the white just deals. The white's just, you know, not all, not all enduro tracks are just full on downhill tracks. There's going to be, you know, a good chunk of flatter terrain. You know, more mellow, uh, more where you need to pump the bike and do stuff like that. And I think that's where maybe the white has an edge in that it's a bit more well-rounded a bit more of an all-rounder maybe than the spash mm-hmm. but you know I, I i do totally agree with luke in terms of pure downhill but i think i try to look at yeah like the the, the bigger picture i guess and try to balance it up the best i could and people will disagree but you know i guess you know it's part of it right, isn't everyone's it? got an opinion yeah totally was there, was it those two bikes that were the clear front runners, or what? What about the third position bike? Was that 
closer and thing, or is that just that little bit not quite there? The cube just, I just don't feel that you'd, you'd what you'd, you just didn't feel as confident riding fast on that. As soon as he got really rough, um, and re- you know, like hitting high speed sort of rocky ruts and you know sections like that, it was a bit. It's a bit lighter. It it doesn't maybe deal with that stuff quite as well. It's not as long, maybe not as stretched out as some of the you know the the white and the um, the special. It's not far off geometry in terms of the white but the white just feels a bit a bit more solid a bit more a bit more planted maybe yeah a bit more planted and a bit more it, it feels better damped and i don't know how much changing the tires would help on the cube um but the cube is the cube is a bike that feels like you just want to kind of bounce from line to line on it isn't necessarily you know just all out speed and that's no bad thing. And that again, that's all part of trying to make it this sort of um, well-rounded test where we're taking into that, you know, taking into account those things. You can still ride all those trails, and it's going to be better at certain trails than the other bikes. But for me, you know, the white kind of it had some of the playfulness of the cube, and it still had the composure. Maybe not quite as much as the special, but it still had a lot of that composure and confidence when it came to going really fast, and that's why it managed to edge it in the end. The canyon was obviously really close in behind that as well. But um, with the canyon, I think um, it felt really good. It felt really fun. You know, it feels like it's got more than 150 mil travel at the back, but it, it didn't necessarily have the same sort of fun factor as the cube. And it feels like, despite them having that shapeshifter technology, which for those, if you don't know, you know, it, it changes how the rear suspension works. It firms it up. So you effectively have less travel. It means then it steepens your head angle, raises your BB and steepens your effective seat angle to make climbing that bit easier. It feels like with that technology, they could make their downhill mode more extreme. Mm-hmm. You know, they could go, make that bike longer, make it way slacker. They could even drop the BB a bit more and it would be incredible. But as it stands, it feels like it's a really well-accomplished long travel trail bike rather than a mini downhill bike, which is what I think, I mean, especially the Specialized, as you already mentioned, is, you know, that's that's kind of what it is. Mm -hmm. And you, I mean, you had sort of, Yours is a bit of a mixed bag in the top three as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, think- a real mixed bag. Um, so we've got the got the Bird Ether Seven, which is you know it's a one thirty mil six fifty B kind of trail bike. Which on pet, you know, the Bird have always been pretty out there with their geometry. Um, I think the reach on the large is like five hundred and four mil or something, um, which certainly for a, a trail bike compared to the other bikes in the test way out there like mm. super super long super low um so on paper when i first saw that i was like oh this is going to be basically just for riding down the hill um but actually when we rode it out on the trail it really surprised us with just how good it was uphill as well and um, we got a really nicely centered position the anti-squat works really well it's it's really peppy it, it kind of climbs you know never had to use the compression switch on the shock or anything it just wanted to go up everything 
Um, and it was the only E650B bike in the test. Um, and that really stood out. You know, the difference between the wheel size might be marginal in terms of the numbers of inches, but actually back-to-back feel-wise, quite significantly different, I think. Um, it worked really well on smooth stuff. It worked really well on steep stuff, um, mm. steep sort of loamy, rooty stuff. But on more mellow or rockier, like bobbly stuff, you could really feel that it wasn't quite carrying the speed that the 29ers were carrying. Yeah. Um, but the package from those guys is, is fantastic. It's great value for money. You get a really good kit on there. Um, and they're, they're a great company to deal with. So, And that really sort of shone through, as I say, when we got to Spain and tested it out in the dry, uh, in the low, and on some real nice steep stuff that wasn't kind of bike parky. Mm. Um, yeah, the second place bike was um, is the YT Jeffsy, which is one trail bike of the year in the past, um, in 2018. Um, and then they changed it in 2019, um, and they made it, a much more capable kind of bike um and with that extra capability a bit longer a bit slacker it kind of lost some of its personality i felt um so it didn't quite win last year um but it came a, a, a strong second last year and again this year it's it's done the same again it's super capable bike that i know luke you really liked it yeah i, I like the uh the yt um again it's a bit more personal preference really that yeah i'm probably would go and ride more aggressive tracks um mm-hmm. and yeah and it just gives it a little bit it just has that slightly more forgiving edge that slightly more aggressive feel which yt of they're not shy about saying that their trail bike they want it to be more aggressive than everyone else's trail bike and they want the capra to be you know a, an aggressive enduro bike that's just their their brand and um and i just, and, and i just quite like that style of riding it, it does give it a kind of a sure-footed downhill capability but it, it will still get you back to the top of the hill pretty easily. And, uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed my time on the YT, to be honest. I thought that was, yeah, a solid all-round bike. Yeah, so, I mean, that's kind of why it, it placed so well. Again, it was, of you know, if, if you're looking at trail bikes as a, a genre, but if you want one of the more extreme or as close to an enduro bike as you can get, the Jeffsy was, you know, it was definitely the best bike um, in, in that test. And, okay, the, the rear wheel travel on that Jeffsy is actually now uh, 150 mil for 2020. They did change that. Um, from 2019 on the 29er um, the bike when we ordered it we, we ordered our bikes months ahead of time and um, that announcement hadn't been made hence why it was sort of in that test but um, yeah super capable um, pretty darn good value for money bike as well um, but the overall winner in the trail bike one was the propane Hugene. so this is you know German direct sale brand so they're always going to be good value um, and well, I mean, the propane was incredible value for money, really. It was RockShox Ultimate Suspension, uh, front and rear, so you get a Pike and uh, a Deluxe, uh, a SRAM XO one drivetrain, super good brakes, and then great wheels as well with um, nice sticky Max uh, Schwalbe rubber on there. So kind of the, the whole package. But the nice thing about <coughs> the propane, if you exclude what was bolted on, was that it climbed really well um, on technical stuff and on the smooth stuff. And then descending, it probably wasn't quite as good as the Jeffsy. I think it's probably fair to say. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, but as an all-round package, it kind of definitely just did everything that you'd want a trail bike to do, I thought. Yeah, the propane was, uh, yeah, a deserved winner, really, for a trail bike. Um, yeah, like riding it out in Spain, I rode out there a fair bit, and uh, and it was really fun bike to ride. There's very little that holds it back from anywhere. Let's say it will go, it will go up in a thing and it will go down in a thing. Um, 
yeah, that was really solid. And let's like say the kit on it is is unmatched. Really, that was value for money wise. It's it's hard to beat. Um, yeah, there's a few negatives and uh, a few negatives to say about the propane. Really, it was a it was a pretty standout bike. Yeah, I mean, there's one or two little quirks with it. We found. Um... I know when you rode it very briefly, Rob, you were saying well, we the the setup of the suspension front to rear was pretty critical, I think, with the propane. But you could get it to work, but you just had to spend a bit more time setting it up. I reckon so. Yeah. So I think um, I think yeah, the the YT is it's almost sort of erring towards an enduro bike in many That's ways. A, it's a mini enduro bike as much um, as special. And I and I think when you go on the propane. It just felt that bit more urgent, you know, uphill everywhere for the most part. So it was just a bit, a bit more eager in those duller bits of trail where, you know, the the whitey would sort of feel more like an enduro bike, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, in terms of setup, I definitely felt like you could just jump on the whitey, and it was totally straightforward to set up. Mm. you know kind of fit and forget style whereas the propane took a little bit more fine tuning just to get the balance right in terms of spring pressures front to rear mm. i think if you if you ran too much sag you'd risk just disappearing through the mid stroke too quick yeah maybe not get the support you're after and equally you know you don't want you don't want to counter it with running too little sag and making it feel kind of harsh and skittish. So it was a case of just trying to find that sweet spot when it came to setup. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, as long as you're happy to just be, you know, a little bit more patient. I mean, it's nothing more complicated than that, though, was it? It was it was that straightforward. You, you yeah. wouldn't need anything other than a shock pump. Yeah, I think once you've bought it, if you know, if you just spent, you know, half a day, you know, doing back-to-back runs on, on, on the same track just to make sure you got the fork and the shock set up nicely, then... You know, you're easy away from there on in, really. Yeah, definitely. And I guess that comes back to sort of the whole testing process. You know, we've talked about the winning bikes and we talked about how we tested, but it is really quite an in-depth process. It takes us, you know, we're riding the bikes two, three, four days a week for about three months um, just to make sure we get it all sort of nailed down, really. Yeah, exactly. And that's why, you know, and that and that's, again, back to why it's so good to have um second opinions third opinions getting more people involved because like luke said you know it either helps validate findings that you've already you know kind of stumbled across or or, you know found out that that might be quite straightforward to um you know work out yourself or sometimes it's that person then can go hey do you know what how about trying this or how about trying that and and that makes a massive difference and and equally, like Luke said again, you know, raising questions, you know, and 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 potentially countering what, you know, the the findings that we've made, and and sort of getting us to then rethink or double check, which might mean changing bits, which might mean you know, going back out and rewriting the bikes, you know, in a different pairing or a different you know sequence, so we can then investigate all that stuff, and. You know that's that's why it does take as long as it takes, and uh, as much as our bosses aren't too pleased about it, means we're out of the office a hell of a lot. <laughs> it's a shame we can't do it in the summer, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. <laughs> is, it, is it worth mentioning? You know, we 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 run it. Um, it's on sale now in, in MBUK, so it came in on, on sale about a week ago, so early mid March. Um, 
why do we run it this time of year? What, what's the, what are the pressures that we're sort of facing with, with this test? So generally we try to time it with when um, we think people are going to start searching, looking to buy new bikes. And that normally coincides with when the weather starts to get a bit better. Um, which is totally fair enough. Not everyone wants to just, you know, slog through the mud and not everyone wants to slog through the mud on a brand new bike. Um, so we try to get the bikes in early. Um, so as soon as they're available from the manufacturers, we try to get them. And that way we can um, get testing as early as possible. So we're on sale and publishing our uh, all of our re- uh, reviews and findings on Bike Radar, hopefully perfectly timed to when people start actually looking to buy bikes i mean the timing this year has been exceptional <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's been a tough one but at least you know like we, we're going live uh, well this is what we're recording on the 26th of march and you know the reviews are going live and this week has been sunny as anything so hopefully people are feeling a little bit more positive about things even if we are stuck inside temporarily at least yeah yeah that's it you know it's Hopefully it's, you know, in, in the scheme of things, this sort of, you know, it doesn't matter what's going on in the, in the wider world is far more important, but you know, when, hopefully when this takes a turn and things start to improve, you know, at least if people are still keen to get out on the trails, all of those reviews are ready and waiting, you know, and they can search through them, you know, hopefully they can watch the videos as well that we've done and they will hopefully go out and buy, uh, a nice new bike on our recommendation cool so do we think so to wrap up i guess is 2020 going to be a, a strong year in terms of, of the mountain bikes that are around and that are coming out and, and what we sort of see what are the trends we're sort of seeing this year uh i think you know we could almost circle back to what we were talking about earlier what made this test so hard and i think a big part of that is the quality of what we're seeing out there now just how good suspension is not just at the top end, you know, um, we've got Fox and Rockshox filtering down some of their top tech, you know, things that were, you know, the, the original charger damper now is, you know, comes on their sort of mid-level forks. Um, that, that, you know, trickle down effect for want of a better term does mean that the lower end benefits from that. Um, and so, it, it does mean that those bikes are more closely matched in a lot of ways in terms of components, especially. Um, and I think the brands are start to, you know, they're wise to the fact that, you know, people maybe aren't too hung up on weight, so they don't need to stick a super light set of tires on. So when you just go and pick up the bike in the shop, it feels nice and light because, you know, ultimately you'll ride out the shop, you go to the bike park and you have two flat tires within one run. You know, I think they're starting to see the value in the fact that they can sell you the complete package. It's totally done. And, and it's great to see that we're getting more and more of that. You know, even even moving, even even the little things, you know, wider bars that you can just cut down as opposed to we'll just stick on these, you know, narrow bars because that's what we think people will ride. It's, it's a really positive move. And I think it's giving the consumers way more choices and options makes our life harder obviously yeah but that's no bad thing wicked well, i think should we should we wrap it up there yeah i yeah. think so well, it's been yeah it's been um it's been a long 
but interesting winter. And yeah, we've done. I think we did a, a fairly good job with uh, bike there this year. Yeah, yeah. I think, like I said earlier, you know, it, it was tough in the weather, and there's a lot of bikes to get through. But I think we did. You know, we did our best. Um, put a lot of time in, and and I think we got some decent results at the end of it. Happy days. Well, um, I'll wrap it up. We'll say, um, well, we had some sponsors for um, Bike of the Year, which we should probably mention. Yeah, um, definitely. So, was it um, IXS and 661, um, as well as Layout, provided protection and clothing. Uh, we had Facom Tools, who gave us a hand with getting the bikes all set up. Garmin helped with navigation. Uh, Brittany Ferries got us all the way to Spain and all the way back from France, thanks to one of the big storms, but they did a very flexible job with us and our vans. Um, and finally, Blacktown Trails. Uh, they put us up for the week for our photo and video shoot. Uh, they're a guiding company based uh, just outside of Madrid. Um, super easy to get to. Um, flying in or getting the ferry to Bilbao or Santander, so like a four-hour drive. Um, and yeah, we rode some absolutely wicked trails with those guys. Um, so yeah, def- definitely recommend them if you're looking for something different from the Alps for your, your riding holiday this year. Um, and yeah, from a bike radar point of view, don't forget to keep looking out on bikeradar.com for our reviews. Uh, MBUK is in the shops right now with our Trail Bike of the Year supplement in there, as well as uh, our women's enduro bike test, which is done by Luke's girlfriend, Sarah, which is excellent. Um, And obviously our YouTube channel will have our top five or top four uh, enduro and trail bike videos going live over the next coming weeks. So keep an eye on that. And finally, thanks for listening to the podcast. Uh, do subscribe if you haven't done already. We get a new episode every Monday and we will try and ramp it up while we're all stuck inside over the next couple of months. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. If you want any more information on what we've been talking about or more news and views on cycling, check out bikeradar.com. Bye.